All right, I got my good friend Sean Tyler Foley. He is the best-selling author of The Power to Speak Naked. Sean, welcome to the show, brother. Oh, it's my joy and my pleasure to be here, Joel. And yeah, no, thanks for the plug of the book. I, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. It's got an, and I'm gonna hold it up for anybody that's watching on video. It's got an amazing cover. <laughs> my son, my five-year-old son, walked up. He goes, "How come this guy's? How come you can't see this guy's butt?" Anyways, for anybody that's listening <laughs> on audio, go get the book, "The Power to Speak Naked." Amazing stuff. Um, you know, we're gonna. I, I work, um, and, and I'm connected with a lot of coaches and a lot of people, so they're gonna get a lot of value in this. In, in I think understanding one, we're in a virtual world and learning how to speak more effectively. But two, um, we know I think, and you could tell me the stat better than I could. I think like public speaking is like the number one fear, other than like dying or something. So it's yeah. So the the number one fear, according to you know the studies and charts, is actually a, a fear of uh, falling and or heights. Followed by the fear of public speaking, followed by the fear of death, which leads to the famous Seinfeld joke that you'd rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. And I think that's hilarious because, honestly, once you figure out the secret to it, uh, public speaking is the easiest thing on the planet. See, okay, and after reading your book, I kind of walked away with that. But I was going to ask you, like, is that the biggest misconception that it's it's like – Oh, I'm just a bad speaker. I think people walk around with this idea. Oh, I'm just a bad speaker. I just I could never do that. Do you think is that like one of the most limiting beliefs? It's like, no, you're not. You just don't know how to. You didn't practice. You didn't. You didn't learn. It's a skill. Oh yeah, no. There's there's three lies that most people tend to tell themselves that I have to get them to get over. One of them is that they're afraid of public speaking. The reality is they're not. If they were afraid of public speaking, commerce as we know it would collapse. Anybody who's ever been to a restaurant and ordered food, particularly if they didn't know their wait staff and had that food come to them, is not afraid of public speaking because they spoke in public, they spoke to a stranger, and they asked for what they wanted and they got it. So this notion that we're afraid to speak in public or we're afraid to speak to strangers or we're afraid to ask for what we want is null and void if you've ever been to a restaurant and gotten your food. So that's the first one that we have to kick out of the way. The next one is most people feel that either their life isn't important or their story isn't significant. And they think that their story has to be this huge Michael Bay blockbuster with like explosions and transformers popping out of manholes and like car flips and like chases and ninjas coming through windows and stuff like that. Smoke bomb, right? Like it, it doesn't need to be that. Your story told the right way to the right audience could be the most life-changing gift that anybody receives. And you don't know the power of that until you speak it out loud. And then the other one is, is that, you know, that I'm, I'm bad at public speaking. Well, unless you have never spoken in your life, you're not bad at public speaking. You and I are having a conversation right now. We are speaking in public. We're, we're having this dialogue. So people are not bad at public speaking. They're just uncomfortable when the attention is on them. And that's what the real fear is. The fear is not the fear of public speaking. The fear is of public judgment. If I say this thing, it will be construed one way or misunderstood this way, or my story isn't important. My life is insignificant. Look at all these other people who've done all these bigger, better, greater, faster, stronger things than me. And they forget that for every person that you're looking up at going, oh, what a mountain to climb, you're standing on top of your own summit and there are people below going, I don't even know how they got there. I love that. I remember when I just started, I first got started out in my own coaching business and launching my own uh, business. I remember just reading other books and reading other stories. And one of the books that's coming to my mind is Hal Elrod, who uh, is founder of The Miracle Morning. And I, and I remember just thinking, I'm like, gosh, like, why can't I get in a, like, a near-death-defying accident? Then I would have a story. Then I would have a book. Then I could finally talk to people, and they might listen. But I, I love that you said that. Like We all have a story that makes us unique. And I think if you just understand how to pitch it, I don't, and pitching is probably the, a bad word, but just understanding your uniqueness, then you can really tell the story. Well, and here's the thing. I, I know, Joel, there's people in the audience right now who are going to be thinking to themselves, no, but you don't understand. I really don't have a story. To them, I say, no, I really do understand because at 43, I still feel like I'm no big deal. Like my story isn't that interesting until I have somebody like you introduce me and, you know, num best-selling author, number one best-selling author, author of The Power to Speak Naked, child actor, um, you know, and Freddy versus Jason, door-to-door, Carrie, all of those fun little credits that get thrown around. And, and I start looking back at these milestones in my life and I go, wow, 
you know what? That's actually not too bad when you sum it up like that. But honestly, I would go, I'm just a regular guy. And I think that's the problem. I call it the, the warm bath conundrum. Have you ever gotten into like a hot tub or a warm bath and you sit there and the water is warm, but your body becomes so acclimatized to it that you're like, this is freezing. You keep trying to put more hot water in and all you need to do is stand up out of the tub for a second that cold air shocks you and you go, whoa, get back in. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know what? This is actually pretty warm here. And that's what we need. We need the perspective of stepping up outside of our life to have somebody else view it. And in fact, if you want, Joel, we could do a really, really fast exercise. It takes less than two minutes and your audience can do this if they just want to hit pause and hit a pen and paper. If you're a game, well, I'm game. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Okay, so here's how we're going to find five significant stories within our life. I want, and this is going to take some simple math. So honestly, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, hit pause for a second, get yourself, you know, even if you want to do it on your phone, it, it, we're going to do just a little bit of math. So what I want you to do is I want you to take your age, however old you are, and I want you to round to the nearest five, whether that's up or down, you figure it out, right? Now that you've rounded up or down to the nearest five, I want you to take that number and divide by five. And that'll give you five even time periods or epochs in your life. And now I know, Joel, because you're a coach to coaches, I know that there are some A-type personalities out there who are like, no, that is not correct because I've got these extra little bits and there's no decimal places and I need the decimal places. So if you're that person right now who's flipping out because this is not a perfect division of the time of your life, if you rounded up and it would only have been by one or two, I want you to take that number and deduct it from your last time period. And if you had to round down, it was only by one or two. I want you to take that number and add it to your first time period. And the reason being is you probably don't remember the first 18 to 24 months of your life anyway. So that'll give you a little bit of a buffer at the beginning. And our most recent time period is going to be the most easily remembered and so we can deduct a little bit from there if you have to otherwise you just do even numbers so if it was me and i do this i'm 43 i'm going to round up to 45 divide by five that gives me five periods of nine years each now what i want your audience to do is i want you to just take each one of those time periods so for me zero to nine and then 10 to 18 and then uh, 19 to 27 28 to 35 and then i bump up that the last couple of years look at each one of those time periods and ask yourself for your first time period if you had to think of you in that first time period what is the first memory that pops to mind the very first thing that springs to mind. And that I want you to write down. And then look at the second time period. What is the first memory that springs to mind when you look at that second time period? And do that for all five time periods. And I want you to remember that it's the first thing. This shouldn't this exercise shouldn't take more than 30 seconds ago. And it could be a color, it could be a smell, it could be a sound, it could be vivid detailed movie-like imagery or it could be one of those hazy ethereal kind of experience things but it's whatever is the first thing you think of you at this time period it's the first thing that pops to mind and for me the first thing that pops to mind if i look at my first time period is auditory it's a sound it's the sound of applause and um and actually a standing ovation. And when I think of the sound, then I get the feeling that goes with it. And then when I get the feeling that goes with it, there's a full imagery of me being on stage at six years old for the first time, making a crowd laugh and then getting that standing ovation and that feeling that comes with that, you know, the people standing up and cheering. But it starts with the sound, that kind of that rush, that roar of a crowd. And that is, you know, has been a thing that has drastically impacted my life. And so for each one of these memories, then, you know, this that's a quick two-minute exercise. And so now you should have at least five memories that are significant to you. Now this exercise takes a little bit longer. This is where you get to do the deep dive. This is the thing that isn't in two minutes. This is going to be an hour, two, week, month, year-long exercise of exploring why are those memories so significant to you? Why is that the first thing that you think of when you think of you in this time period? 
why is that so impactful that it's a memory that stays like there's so many others that have come and gone that if you tried to think about what you know sandwich you had on your or even what your cake was like on your seventh birthday you're probably like i don't know it might have been vanilla probably had some frosting i couldn't tell you right what was the christmas present that your uncle gave you for your 12th birthday or christmas you probably don't know right you're like i don't know whatever's but there's these ones that stick out and you're like mm, that's a thing so i want you to explore why once you've done that then there's a f- even more fun exploration of what were the lessons in each one of those moments who were you before who were you after what did you need to know what did you know and what did you learn and what lessons now can you teach somebody else having gone through that and when you marry that all together that becomes your impactful story that becomes what you tell and shows that you do actually have a story you have these significant moments in your life that other people if you were to explain it to them how it happened will be greatly impacted by your knowledge and it's packaging that together that is amazing I love that. What a great exercise. Uh, amazing. R- really quick, I want to Tarantino this, Tyler. Can we go back? Because we didn't even really get into your, your a little bit of your history and how you got here and, and your story. Because I don't think, uh, and like you said, you're a childhood actor. So it's like, oh, of course, you naturally know how to speak. But you didn't, you didn't I don't think you ever thought like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a book on public speaking. And matter of fact, I'm going to be a speaker. That wasn't really your, your mission. So can you kind of talk about that, your, your, just the upbringing that you had and then which led you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So again, that first, that first moment on stage, that's my first memory. And when I do this exercise, I actually have two very clear memories at six years old. And in fact, the two of them are almost exactly three months apart. The first one is the sound of applause the first time I was on stage at a Christmas uh, pageant, you know, and it was the elementary school Christmas play. And I got to play Joseph and my best friend, Lisa, got to play Mary. And I remember just really loving it. And the thing about being on stage at six years old is fear is a learned behavior. We are told what we are supposed to be afraid of. And when I was six years old, nobody had told me that I needed to be afraid of an audience yet. And so what I had was a pure, joyous, and wonderful experience my first time on stage. And then, you know, and it was beautiful too because my family was there, my dad was there, my mom was there. They were like, you know, clapping and proud and you could just see, like it was a real moment for me. And then three months later, my next most distinct memory from that time period is an auditory uh, memory as well. And it's the sound that my mother made when a police officer and my family physician came to our back door and told her that my father was never coming home again. Mm. And my mom made this just spine tingling and like atmosphere sucking. Like the wind went out of the entire house. It went out of the entire neighborhood. She made this animalistic howl that I never want to hear again. And between those two sounds, I've spent my entire life chasing one and my entire life avoiding one. And all of the decisions that I've made from then till now have been based on one of those two primary drivers. How do I hear more of this and how do I never hear this again? And so when my father passed away, my mom, I mean, I was six, so I had a really hard time processing uh, grief and emotion and the finality of death and what it meant that my father was gone. Like that was a really hard thing at six to to understand and so i didn't really outwardly grieve because i didn't really understand i just didn't comprehend it and it was a really hard thing emotionally to take in and so my mom was kind of looking for an outlet for me and my teacher my grade one teacher mrs nielsen had said listen he was he's really good at this i'm going to be putting him in the easter play as well like he's got a natural gift with this it's maybe something that you want to explore and while the same at the same time, my uncle, who worked for the city of Calgary um, and worked right in City Hall, was a perennial bachelor. He's you know, my uncle's idea of cooking is picking up a telephone or going to a restaurant, depending on, you know, what the weather's like. If it's nice, he'll walk. Otherwise, they can bring it to me. That is cooking for my uncle. And Got so it. he would always go for lunch. Um 
uh, on his lunch break, and the, the casting director for the main theater company here in the city uh, was complaining uh, to a friend about how hard it is to find a small boy to play Tiny Tim. So that was that was the the phrase that kind of perked my uncle's ears up, and he's like, "Well, how small do they have to be?" He's like, "My nephew's, you know, I think at the time I had just turned seven, and he's like, you know, he he's like really he's you know almost uh, Hobbit. He's so small, you know, like like what? Let's figure out a way to 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 make this happen." And so she gave him his card, and he reached out to my mom, and my mom had remembered this thing that Judy Nielsen had said to her. And she was like, okay, well, let's, let's do this. And I went in and I just kind of, you know, again, you're, I was so young that I was naive that I didn't even know. They're like, can you do a British accent? I was like, I don't know. What's a British accent sound like? And they're like, okay, can you say God bless us, everyone? God bless us, everyone. And then, you know, it just, it, we went from there. Like it was, it was an easy thing. And so, you know, Tony Robbins says it best. Life happens for you, not to you. And I look back at some of those those little they seem so random at the time, but they're just they can't be. You know, everything influenced me getting on stage, being comfortable, and being able to be a professional performer at eight years old, unionized at ten, and then uh, progress into film and television in my late teens, and and make that a career, and to be able to do some really cool shows. Freddy versus Jason, door to door, Carrie, to be in a residency with the musical Ragtime in Vancouver at the Ford Theater for over 15 months. Like all of those things would would never have happened if some of these things in my early childhood hadn't conspired to put me in the position that I was. And then when I ended up retiring from acting at 25, that you know then i had a whole other career path to go down i you know i got i went back to school got an engineering discipline started my own company that company failed miserably um but was a great learning lesson and then i got down this new path on safety consulting which was seemed out of the blue but again when i look back and how all those little dots aligned like it just made sense and then to build a reputation as a really good safety trainer because I started teaching this course called Basic Instructional Technique, which was basically public speaking 101, and nobody else wanted to do it, nobody else could do it, and, and I was able to get these people to, to dig deep and find their stories and tell things really quickly and so that they could have an impact on their, you know, on their work crews. Like it was a, Originally, it was a, for construction trades. And then it grew because all of these CEOs started to hear about this crazy guy, Tyler, who does this crazy course that gets you up public speaking and makes you a better public speaker. And then I, you know, then all of a sudden I had private coaching clients, which was like a bizarre thing for me. And then people are asking me to do keynotes. And I'm, and at the time I was like, what's a keynote? The first time I was ever asked to give a keynote, I no word of a lie. Uh, an executive had heard me give a toolbox talk and said, that's fantastic. Would you give that as a keynote presentation? I was like, sure. And then I had to go into the trailer and Google keynote presentation just to figure out what it is that I'd agreed to. <laughs> what is this key? Is it a skeleton key? Where do yeah, I put what? the key? I, I've never heard of this. Is, and, yeah. and it's, it's combined is it, with is a it note. Is it the one note it? that I will give that will unlock the secrets to the world? Like what yeah. is what is a keynote? Well, I don't get it. It's so it's such a great story, and I love the the serendipity of of success that I, I meet with a lot of high performers. And again, we talk about it, there's no accident. You just kept following the path. You kept putting out the good energy, and you took a subject that was just completely boring. No one and anybody that had gotten that. Uh, safety training would have been like, oh, great, let me just do half ass. Let me just deliver the bare minimum. But you always high. I can already, I can already know. Like you were just a hard, hard charger, high performer as a young kid, as an actor. And you're like, no, I'm okay. Well, I'll take this and I'm going to actually, I'm going to make it fun. And what happened? Like when good energy gets put out, uh, it comes right back and, and it just escalated. And then new, more and more people found out what you're doing. And yeah, and here we are today and you've, you've got a bestselling book and you're, you're helping other people like myself speak on you stage. Know. So it's beautiful. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it makes for such a, you know, uh, a fun story, you know, yeah. and especially now to have it as a career, um, you know, and I've had so many careers. I feel like Wayne Campbell from Wayne's World. You know, uh-huh. I've had a lot of Joe jobs, nothing I call a career. Because <laughs> like, I've done so many things, especially having had an entire um, vocation and career starting at six years old. Like I, I retired at 25. That, it was a 20-year career. 
that I stepped away from and semi-retired because I was like, no, I'm never going back to film. And then when I had my daughter at 35, I'm like, this kid is cute, objectively. Very, very cute. She needs to be in film. My agent was like, your daughter needs to be in film. I'm like, I know, right? It's not just me. She's she's kind of cute, right? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no. And then, you know, they always needed a dad for the daughter. And so my agent was like, well, why don't you just go and audition? I was like, ah, I guess. I mean, I have a little bit of time, sure. And then I started booking this stuff. And then me and Kenzie got to act together. And, like, that is cool. To be able to intergenerationally do something with your child and 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 watch her grow and experience this thing and then on top of it to have this career where i get to travel and speak and help other people you know conquer this this really easily to overcome fear that is the second highest fear in the world like how why let's let's do this and just to see the the growth in people and and how much that can change their lives is fantastic and then on top of it i get to go to cool places and bring my family with me like you know i got to take my daughter down to houston and she got to go to nasa and and see spacemen you know like she just she loves it she was just that was a thrill to be able to get her to introduce her to real live astronauts people who'd been to space amazing stuff let's talk about this what you're talking about right now, why should people even care about speaking? Why not just say, like, I, I mean, if you're a coach or even if you're not a coach, maybe, like, why, why is it such a valuable skill in your opinion? Like, why do we need to learn this um, and why should we even care? Because it's one of the number one ranked um, soft skills of any leadership. Mm. If you can't communicate your vision, your values, your commitments, uh, nobody's going to follow you. You know, and leaders are not the people who have supervisor or manager or CEO tagged on to their business card. Leaders are the people who people listen to. Mm. And, you know, and this is, it was one of the first things that I started teaching in safety training. I'm like, your leaders are the ones that people are looking up to. So make sure that their messaging within your corporate, your organization and your corporate structure, make sure that the people that people are listening to are saying the things you want them to because a leader is not somebody who has supervisor tagged on their name. And it may, but it may not. And we all know that it's the people who have the ability to communicate their thoughts effectively and get people to agree with them that are leaders. And if you want to be a leader of people, you need to master the skill of communication and the, the, main part of that is actually effectively being able to use your words and not be terrified to stand in your own power to stand in your own authority and say this is how i feel and this is why and until you have the ability to do that you will never be able to lead people that's so true i had a past life as a police officer and i can tell you uh just the last chief last chief of police at a major metropolitan city was a terrible public speaker. He was bumbling and he just, he didn't seem confident. And you're a hundred percent right. Me as just a human being, I'm like, I'm turning out like yeah. you're not leading me. And, and here's the other shocker thing. I, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm decent at public speaking. Like, I've had a job as a salesman when I was 18 years old, and I got me to learn a lot of the skills you're talking about. And so when I evaluate someone like him, I'm like, you're like, the, you're the chief of police, man. Act like it. I, I know I'm, I can talk better than you, and that's that's a shame. Like, so you're 100 percent right. Um, you're right, man. I love that. Well, and that. I've made a career out of those people. Yeah. Because they, and you know, a lot of times they, you know, there's a few who are just blind to it. They're like, "What do you mean I'm a bad public speaker?" You're like, "You're you." Read this book. Here you go. This is my gift to you. Take yeah. that. You know. But they, the, most people recognize that it's a skill that they can they can work on, and. You know, and I, again, I've had the joy and the privilege of w being around incredible orators most of my life. And even my uncle Brian is probably one of the best public speakers I've ever met in my life. And a lot of what I do, or when I started out, I was emulating a lot of the things that he did. And I, I really had to pick it apart. Why? Why is he? Why do I feel that he is good and this other person is bad? Like what? objectively what makes that determination and when people were asking me like before i ever wrote the book people would say how do you do it and i'd be like how do you do what and they're like just get up and talk i'm like 
how do you put on your shoes? It's like we talk every day. I'm just doing it at the front of the room instead of the back of the room. What? Why does geography make a difference in your ability to deliver <laughs> your message? I don't understand it. And, and so I really had to reverse engineer this skill set that I had developed over, at the time, 30 years. And... And it really came down to the first thing was is that, that I didn't have a fear of public speaking. And as you had pointed out, you know, the people who are really competent in it, they may not even have the best message. But if they say their message with authority, people will glob onto it. And I can prove this. I can prove this too, because I know for a fact that... I, I'm going to say four words and your audience will have an instant reaction to it. Instant reaction. Four words. That's it. Instant reaction. Some of them are going to be like, yeah. And some are going to be like, oh God. <laughs> but it will not be neutral. Are you ready? I'm ready. Make America great again. Wow. I thought you were going to say, I have a, I have a dream. Okay, blew my mind. So, <laughs> I have a dream is not quite as polarizing. Yeah. But Make America right. Great Again is. But I have a dream is another really powerful example of it. You know exactly who said it. You know exactly when. You know exactly what it means. And you know exactly what it stands for. Mm -hmm. Both of those are people who had absolutely no problem standing in their authority and saying the thing that they believe. Whether you believe it or not, other people do and they follow them. And I don't have to say either one of those gentlemen's names, and we all know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. And and that's when you really have stepped into your authority. When you can, I mean, I will use his name. Sir Donald J. Trump <laughs> is, is, in my estimation, as a public speaker, as somebody who does this as a profession, really not that good. Mm. I'm, but he does it with absolute confidence, bravado and authority. And if you read a transcription of any of his speeches, you'd be like, this man is an idiot. <laughs> but if you listen to him, you're like, wow, you know, hey, way to go. Because yeah. he just doesn't care. And that's, and that's what people need to get to. They need to get to a point where they're so confident in their messaging that they're speaking to the people who want to hear it, who need to hear it. And the rest of the people, that that's not their audience. You know, there are people on both sides of, you know, whether you say, I, I have a dream or make America great again. There are people on both sides of those arguments who are for and against on either side of that. And they have their reasons, but the people that they were speaking to in those moments, in that time, resonated with that message and needed to hear it and that's that's really the key of standing in your power and understanding your own messaging so that it, it doesn't become an issue you're like no this is who i am this is what i believe and this is how i back it up so good i, I want to talk you know and i'm listening to you talk and i'm just thinking how can people take some steps right now because you're like it's so easy public speaking it's just you just speak guys whether you're just whether you're in the back of the room or the front of the room but i gotta tell you it is more than that and you know that because it, here's the thing you were a childhood actor naturally i'd say there's a lot of natural talents and natural gifts you even said in the book you said i didn't even memorize lines like pff, why however you said it came back to bite you because there was another childhood actor i believe or maybe it was when you got into your teens i don't know but uh, that guy did. He prepared. He planned. Yeah. He was ready. And yeah. you said that was the difference between being good and being great. And he went on and got more roles and became a famous actor. And you were a good actor, but you didn't become the famous actor. And it's fine. We're, we're talking now and you're doing amazing things in a different way. But I, I want you to talk almost about that preparation because when I walked away from your book, I said, whoa. You, uh, you, I mean, I'm a decent public speaker, but you already increased my game dramatically, just the things I was thinking about. And I'm thinking about, like, the you have a pre-routine. You have meditation, visualization. Like, uh, I, I, what, you don't just hop on the stage and wing it? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I, I do and I don't. 
I have done my content for so long that I know it cold. Yeah. So I, I, you know, it's, it becomes jazz with a lot of improvisation. And if somebody wants to scat over here, I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's do this hip cat. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's, let's find the swing. Let's find the beat. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's because of the prep that I've done and where most people make the mistake is doing preparation wrong, where they're mm. trying to memorize a speech wrote note for note for note and there is no room for improvisation and one of the things that i always like to point out it's you know if i'm you're trying to take your audience on a journey you're trying to take them from point a to point b you just got to guide them and get them from where they are to where they need to be and if you think of it from a journey perspective any journey has to start at a starting point and you need to know where that start point is so that you can get to the end point. And the problem with memorizing a speech is that although you know where A is and where B is, you are locked into your mode of transportation and you can't get off of it. So you're you're stuck on United Airlines flight 287 from O'Hare to LAX. What if you want to stop off at the Grand Canyon? Vegas is fun. Let's let's hit Vegas. Maybe we want to go to Salt Lake City. Maybe we want to hop up to, you know, maybe we want to detour, you know, the Midwest is, for whatever reason, is in the midst of apocalypse and there's zombies running around and we have to circumvent along the coast and head down towards Florida and, you know, along Texas and into California. Like, if you memorize a speech, you are stuck not only on that airplane but on that flight you're on flight you know ua 286 yep and if 286 gets canceled or goes mechanical you're stuck in at a going i don't know where to go where if you memorize points key points along the way you know the way markers so we're starting in chicago we got to get to la we know that we may need to do a bathroom break and we might want to stop for some food and hey may even see the grand canyon if we have time right it's a road trip joel we're going on it if we have time we're going to hit vegas we're going to hit the grand canyon we may even stop in colorado and catch a, a game right like who knows basketball hockey football we do all three if we can if we time it right and that is that freedom of knowing what the waypoints are within your message. So if you're given maybe only five minutes to speak, you're like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is our nonstop flight from Chicago to LA. If you're given an hour, you're like, ladies and gentlemen, this is our nice leisurely train ride from Chicago to LA. And if you're given like a day, you're like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the grand tour of the United States. <laughs> our final destination will be LA with stops in Denver, Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, and maybe even Austin, Texas, if we have the time. You know, and that that allows you to go on this beautiful journey. And so where most people spend all of their time trying to memorize a b c d e f g h i j k l m n o p q r s t u v w x y and z because the audience is american <laughs> z if the audience is canadian yeah you know they and they're they're trying to get that sequence down 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 where if and if they forget c a b d do yeah then they're they, they have no way to recover and that all that time to try and memorize all that amount of information could be better spent on these this is getting to know your audience like what does my what does the audience need because that's the other thing too memorizing all that stuff is super selfish it may not even be what your audience needs to hear you know so speak from the heart you will can if you are truly connected with your audience the words will come yeah so spending time First of all, knowing you so that you can feel when you're connected, then knowing your audience so that you know how to connect with them, and then recognizing that you are the authority, right? They, You wouldn't have that opportunity to speak in front of these people if you weren't the authority. We don't ask second best to speak. We ask the best. And if you have that platform, you were the best person at that moment to give that message. So use that power. 
the audience I've never been to ever. And Joel, correct me if if I'm wrong. You can. This is your opportunity to tell me right now. I have never gone to any presentation, whether that is on stage in an auditorium, in a boardroom, in a conference hall, uh, even going to like entertainment, going to a movie theater or, or, a, or a live theater presentation. I have never sat in a seat prior to something beginning and thought to myself, man, I hope this sucks. <laughs> I hope this podcast is the worst one ever. I hope whoever Joel brings on to this episode is awful. Like nobody ever thinks that. At worst, we're passively indifferent, right? If we have been voluntold that we have to go to this board meeting and, and hear Q3 sales statistics from Joe Blow, you're like, okay, well, God, I hope Joe makes it interesting because last one's was awful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's your only goal to leave your audience better than you found them they're already hoping that you do that so you are the authority and the audience is on your side there is no reason to fear them and that's the other thing this fear of public judgment where people are so concerned that what if they hate me what if i screw up what if they don't like me what if i don't know things what if they find out that i'm a fraud i shouldn't be delivering this xyz knows more about it and these guys did this way better and and this group of people have done it so much more successful than my why am i being at like so selfish that it's such an yeah. ego driven thing and if you focus on your audience it's impossible to focus on you right so make your audience the center of attention leave them better than you found them and i'm telling you when you do that, speaking is really easy. It's really, really easy. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask, and and then the book you go into this term you call pissing on the venue, which I thought was so, so good. Go out yeah. and read the book. Learn about what that means and how you really command. I mean, that to me was – I would – absolutely implement that in every speech yeah. I ever do moving forward because it, it makes so much sense. Um I want to talk to you now some selfish questions because I want right. to get on the stage and I want to do yeah. some speaking, but I don't know how. Like, who do I contact? Like, are there organizations? Or I get pitched now all the time, and I just told you offline before we jumped on. I said, hey, this this expo contacted me and said, Joel, we'd love for you to speak. It's only going to cost you $3,500. And I asked you, I was like, is that a good deal? And you're like, well, it, it could be. But I also know there's a lot of speakers that get paid to speak. So, um, you know, if you're someone just starting out um, – you're a coach, you're a cons uh, consultant or whatever, or you're, whatever. I don't know. You just like to speak. How, wh what is some of the steps that we can start taking to, to get there? Well, the first thing is to recognize that uh, speaking opportunities are everywhere. It's actually why I created my private Facebook group, Endless Stages, because they, it is literally limitless, the amount of places that you can speak. Podcasts, uh, you know, it's one of the largest growing industries in the world right now. It just escalating. There's so much need for content that you could, I, I know this for a fact, you could, could, if you wanted, record five to six podcasts a day. And I know because when I was promoting the launch of the book, I was, I was on over 350 podcasts last year. Like it is so easy to find these opportunities if you want to. And the great thing is, is again, you want to be confident in something, you get competent in something confidence comes from competence and the only way to get competence is through repetition in fact there's a legal definition for competence from health and safety adequately qualified suitably trained with sufficient experience to perform the task with minimal or no supervision you are adequately qualified if you can move your mouth and have sounds come out like that qualifies you you have lived a life you have we've already discovered you have at least five stories if not more that you could tell yeah. if you needed to and if you do the exploration of it, there's messaging behind it. Les Brown says it famously, you never make a point without a story and you never tell a story without a point. So once you understand why your stories are important, you can tailor the message to make a point with those stories. So you have the ability to speak. So you are adequately qualified, suitably trained. That's everywhere. Whether it's, you know, grabbing a book like The Power to Speak Naked, hopping on one of my training courses, um, you know, drop the mic is free for anybody who comes to our website. And then The Power to Speak Naked course is available as well for sale. Going to like even Toastmasters or Carnegie or, you know, something that like Brian Tracy puts on or The Great Les Brown when you can, if you can, grab one of his. Like he is so good at what he does and helping people be more confident taking the stage. So the training is out there. 
you all you have to do is decide that you want to you know find the one that resonates with you and go for it right then it's that suitable experience to perform the task with minimal or no supervision that's the hard part how do right that's the question joel how do i get on stage ask i promise you if you are if you are still employed by an employer they don't want to speak any more than you do and who are the leaders the ones who say i will so you want to be a leader you start speaking up at you know if you are on a board anywhere if you you know are charity volunteer or anything they always need people to speak so speak there um ask the chamber of commerce you know if you've got a really good message chambers always and and they're everywhere too so like you, you draw a circumference around your local area and within i don't know an 80 or 100 mile radius you got to have probably I don't care where you are in America. You probably got 15 chambers of commerces within a 60 mile radius. That's an hour drive. Yeah. You know, and just start saying, Hey, would this be something that would be interested, interesting to your membership? You might not get paid for it, but you're not forking over the 3,500 bucks. And if you're at a point where people are starting to reach out to you and they're like, Hey, Joel, I love your message. Do you want to come speak at this leadership event? It'll only cost you 3,500 bucks. As we had spoken about offline, start to do that metric. What's the ROI? How many attendees are there? Because yeah. I can tell you, if there's only 100 people that are in that room, I'm probably not going to spend 3,500 bucks to go and speak in front of them. But if it's 2,000, 3,500 bucks actually isn't that bad. Yeah. You know, because even if you, you know, again, what are you offering? What are you selling? What, how are you able to monetize that? What is their video that comes along with that? Will they edit the video with that? Like, what are you getting for 3,500 bucks? And what could you do on your own for 3,500 bucks? If the chamber's telling you no, if these events are telling you no, do you have a list of friends, colleagues, and clients that could make up a room of 30 to 50 people? Because I can tell you for 3,500 bucks, you could probably run five to 10 events. Wow. You know, like that. And if you wanted to make a big one, like a, you get 200 people in the room, 3,500 bucks, we can get 200 people in the room and do your own event and start doing that and, and hire a videographer to take your own video and hire somebody on Fiverr to edit it. Yeah. And then you have a nice speaker reel and you can throw that out to a couple of speaker bureaus and be like, Hey, this is, this is what I present. Do you need a speaker? And speaker bureaus are everywhere uh, that just type speaker bureau into a Google search. Mm. And you want to find uh, other opportunities. Google is your friend run uh, a Google search for, um, uh, key phrases, really good ones to look for call for presentations, call for speakers, um, conferences in your area. And then, and then, uh, if you want to get more niche, put in your topic. So like for me, I, uh, if I'm doing one, uh, call for speakers, health and safety, call for speakers, leadership, um, call for speakers, communication, call for presentations, communication, all of these various permutations of those words, they were actually pretty endless. Like I could probably come up with 25 or 30 different combinations that will tweak the results and then you just start looking you know and if you find a whole bunch of ones that maybe the call for presentation it you, they were it's you're looking in june and they were asking for uh, the call stopped in april don't go ah oh, guess i missed it no apply and say did you have anybody back out you know do you have do you need any last minute replacements and Will you be doing this conference again next year? Can I get on the wait list for next year? Can I be contacted when your call opens up for there? Like there, it's it's limitless, almost yeah. like endless stages, Joel. <laughs> almost like the stages are endless. Yeah, I mean, going back to the beginning of this, we said everyone's afraid to speak anyway, so there should be endless opportunities, right? If we actually look, if we ask and receive, I mean, it's it's there. So I I'm, I love that you 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 shared that. I know we're wrapping up on the top of the hour, and I want to ask you a couple more questions. But before I – if we have some time, I'll jump into some final round questions. I wanted to ask you, and you have a, a, a part in the chapter in the book, it's, and I want to know, what's a tip that the pros don't want us to know when it comes to public speaking? Yeah, yeah, the ninja secrets. Uh, it's not necessarily that the pros don't want you to know. 
it's that it's the thing that is least communicated that, you know, the thing you're afraid to say is probably what your audience needs to hear. And authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness. I hate the word authentic. And I think it's a buzzword now. And I think so many people throw it around. And I think, uh, honestly, I think it's become almost an excuse for bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I am somebody who offline will swear like a trucker. <laughs> and when I come on, people still get the authentic me. But I don't need to curse all over left, right, and center. Will I drop one every once in a while? Absolutely. You know, but I always try to get the permission. I need to judge the audience first. But me censoring myself does not make me any less authentic. I think your audience can tell, you know, Joel, this is who I am. Yeah. And I don't need to necessarily have the <laughs> the uncensored Sean Tyler Foley mouth come through and everything and still deliver my authentic message. Authenticity is synonymous with self-awareness because if you know who you are at your core, you can hone into the language that you use and you can adapt it to the situation as necessary. And one of the things that made me such an effective safety consultant before I became a, a speaker coach and, and public speaker was the fact that I've had such a diverse career and I've worked with so many levels of employees that I can speak from the C-suite down to the floor and everywhere in between. I am comfortable because I know who I am and what I have done and I'm not... I'm not intimidated by the C-suite and I'm also not intimidated by, you know, the roughnecks on a drilling rig who could easily crush me and really don't respect me because I'm one of those other safety guys, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I get it. I, and I totally understand. And, and, you know, one of the first things that I will do to disarm that is, you know, I'm not here and I'm not here. I am here. I don't need to be this or that. I am me. And my skill set says that I should be here because you have something to learn from me. And I want to give you that gift and I want to have that understanding with you. So the, the real secret that most speakers, the ones that separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff, the ones that cream rises to the top, right? Those echelon, those upper ones are the ones who are not afraid to know who they are at their core and then say it. These are my faults. These are the things that I've done. These are the mistakes that I've made, but this is what I've learned from it. You know, and from here, this is where you can go. And it's really embracing the whole, the entirety of you and not trying to be somebody else and not trying to put on a facade and not trying to pretend, you know, like I don't need to rent the Lamborghini for my next TikTok what? to get clients, right? Because A, I would never drive a Lamborghini because I live in rural Alberta and uh, between the gravel roads... <laughs> And the, the snow, eight months of the year, yeah. I would never be able to operate that machine. No, no, no. I am a Ram 1500 guy, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm a Ram 1500. I am, you know, sport if we want to be specific because I won't drive a Ford and I won't drive a GM and I appreciate the people who like them, but I'm my Dodge guy. Right. And so I'm never to, to rent a Lamborghini and be like, bala, bala, $10 million. Like, no, that is not me. That is not who I am. Yeah. If I'm going to authentically show up, I'm literally going to show up in my hoodie, my you know, nice cargo pants, and my truck. And I am am I comfortable in a suit? Absolutely. I love showing up in a suit. When I'm on stage, I am I'm still a three-piece suit. And industry is moving away from that. And that's fine. But me, I like showing up in a suit. I like getting pretty. I like feeling pretty. I like feeling like, hey, you know what? This thing, I spent a whole bunch of money getting this damn thing tailored. I'm going to pull it out whenever I can. You know, looks good. It's And for me, it's a respect to the audience thing. Can, yeah. can I deliver in my hoodie? Yeah, when I'm in the comfort of my own home, having a good conversation with my buddy Joel. Yeah. But if I'm on stage in front of 2,000 people, I'm going to be in a suit because that is who I am. It's so good. And you mentioned actually just really quick in your book, you, you talk about that. You say, hey, you know, we talk about, oh, I don't have a story to tell. Well, guess what? Everyone wants to show off and tell tell their story about the Lambo or tell their, their story about I almost died. And you're like, you said, sometimes I'll just break the ice and come in and say, I am a middle-aged white male, middle class. I have no problems. Yes, that yeah. is me. Hi, hello. And people get a good laugh. And it's like, oh, finally, this guy's not trying to oversell me on something. And it just, it's, it's, it's easy. So we all have a story and it, it might be that. So that's, that's great. 
yeah embrace who you are and it and you will go as as horrible as it and rhyming as it is embrace who you are and you will go far like yeah. it just it's how it is last but not dude, i got so many more questions i'm gonna bring you back on for part two man i i i, I swear okay um Let's just let's we'll, we'll end it because I know you got you, you, you got to run. But just tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can learn more about you. Uh, besides going out and picking up the book, "The Power to Speak Naked." Well, first of all, Joel, there before they come and they hop on to you know my platform, they're already on your platform. So before they come to me, I would ask very humbly uh, that they give you a five-star review and write in the comments. That, that It's not there for decoration. That, that little box that says comments, it can be filled out. So if they would take the time to, to fill it out and really be specific on, you know, what, are they, what do they enjoy about your show? Uh, what is one of their favorite guests that they've had? What was a really good takeaway that they had? Maybe from this show or maybe from another show. Um, what is what is resonating with them that they're coming back time and time again? Because that'll do a couple of things. First of all, it'll help them because it'll help you understand what your audience is listening to and what resonates with them. And so from a selfish standpoint, if you leave a review, Joel will be able to bring on better guests that fit what it is that you're looking for. Yeah. It's also going to help Joel grow his platform because the more reviews that he can get, the more the algorithm likes it, the more it's going to be served to other people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to hear some of the really cool things that Joel's doing. And in doing that, it's going to help me because then we get more visibility to Joel's show, which means people have a more uh, likelihood of seeing this episode and listening to it and, and getting some of my content. So if you're willing to help all of us out, all of us in this little party, by giving Joel a five-star review and leaving a comment below, then it would be my pleasure to have them come over to my website, SeanTylerFoley.com, which is probably going to be in the show notes. And if you come on to that, uh, right on the top of the uh, website, right on the main page above the fold is an invitation to join Endless Stages, which is my free Facebook group. If you come through the website instead of through Facebook, because Mark Zuckerberg is just going to give you the site, but if you come to my site... I will give you a free PDF download of The Power to Speak Naked, so you don't wow. have to spend the $17.95 to get it. You just get the PDF. Uh, I'm also going to give you access to my Drop the Mic speaker training program, which is a series of five-minute videos, seven of them in total, so you can digest it all in a week. If you give yourself five minutes in the morning for a week, you'll get all of these tips to give you really actionable advice to be a better, more confident public speaker. And if uh, that doesn't wet your whistle, then... You still have access to the free Facebook group where I go live every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern to give a Tuesday tip. And it comes from the group. What is resonating with the group that week? I do a deep dive for 20 minutes. It's live. If people are on, they can chime in. If nobody's there, I'm still going to do it because I'm a man of my word and integrity. So every Tuesday, I'm showing up at 1 o'clock my time noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, to give my Tuesday tips. And all of that is to your audience. But, Joel, only if they give you a five-star review. No five-star review, no gifts for you. I love it. I love it. Sean Tyler Foley, my good friend, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. I appreciate you. 